Hey everybody, welcome in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Today's episode is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliability, and low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So for today's episode, we will continue our MLB draft preview. If you listened on Monday, we talked about Emerson Hancock, the right-handed pitcher from Georgia, who the Orioles could potentially take at number two, but he's probably the biggest stretch out of the five guys we are going to preview. This guy, not as much as a stretch. It's the infielder from New Mexico State, Nick Gonzalez, who led the country in basically almost every hitting category through 16 games this year before the season was cut short. Some gaudy offensive numbers at New Mexico State. A lot of projections have him going fourth in the draft right now, but the Orioles could save a little bit of money if they took him second. Um, Could probably sign him for a little bit less than a guy like Vanderbilt's Austin Martin and two guys who play similar positions. And to talk about him today, we've got the play-by-play voice of the New Mexico State Aggies. Adam Young is going to join us to talk about Nick Gonzalez. But before that, uh, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, over on the MLB Draft Preview episodes here on the network, that's Taylor Blake Ward and Jeff Snyder um, of Locked On Angels and Locked On Dodgers, respectively. Uh, The MLB Draft Insiders here on the network as well have been putting together podcasts. um, And Jeff had a thought, even though the two had agreed that the Orioles would probably take Austin Martin, Jeff had a thought that maybe the Orioles could go Nick Gonzalez. And here's a snippet there of why he thinks that could be the case. But uh, you have a different opinion on the second overall pick and how they could go. Uh, We did come to this agreement, but what do you think the Orioles could do uh, with the second overall pick there, Jeff? I think, you know, a year ago uh, we had a slam dunk first overall pick and the Orioles debated going under slot with Andrew Vaughn, a proven hitter with uh, big performance numbers. In a draft that is only five picks uh, long, in a draft where they have six picks total, and, you know, the first compensation pick is theirs. So they have the first, and, or not first, they have the second and the 30th selection. Uh, they have a chance to come back at 30 and, and get a sliding talent, get someone who is a first-round talent. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they cut an underslot deal with Nick Gonzalez and because of his production and saved a little bit more money so they could come back at 30 and then come back again at what, like uh, 39, right? So, I mean, they have three picks in the top 40. The ability to save a little bit more here so they can then swing big at 30 and 39 uh, might hold a lot of appeal. So interesting to hear Jeff and Taylor and Jeff's point of view there that they could potentially take Nick Gonzalez, still get a great hitting infielder, uh, plays his position well, could play around the diamond, uh, maybe the best college hitter uh, this year. They could pair him with Joey Ortiz, a New Mexico State shortstop who the Orioles took in the fifth round last year. But we will get to all of that and what Nick Gonzalez could bring to the Orioles if they do want to save a little money and take him at number two. As we are joined here by the play-by-play voice of the New Mexico State Aggies, that's Adam Young. And he's been around New Mexico State for a while. 
and he has watched the entire career of Nick Gonzalez. Plus, he also watched the career of Joey Ortiz, the Orioles draft pick last year, who we'll talk about. And we'll talk about two other guys in the Orioles system, Tyler Irwin and Kyle Bradish, who both also pitched at New Mexico State. And Young got to see them pitch live and tells us what Orioles fans can expect from them as well. But to mostly talk Nick Gonzalez on our MLB draft preview, here is Adam Young. Thanks for having me, Connor. Appreciate it. And so we have you on to talk about a guy that that some people think, you know, if they don't go with with the Torkelson or potentially the Austin Martin, that the Orioles could maybe go after Nick Gonzalez. And that's who we have you on to talk about. The Orioles have the number two pick right now. Gonzalez being mocked uh, in most drafts as the number four pick right now. But a guy the Orioles could take, uh, the infielder from New Mexico State, um, who's had an incredible three seasons there and was just on fire this season um, in 16 games. So you look at his stats from the outside and they're ridiculous, especially the last two years, but what's it like to actually see him play up close and personal? Well, Connor, it's pretty cool. I mean, he's a hard worker. Uh, People always talk about his character and his work ethic um, at his craft. And it's no secret why he's having so much success. He works harder than anybody else and uh, he's really reaping the benefits right now. And, you know, 12 home runs in 16 games is pretty special. And, you know, you know, we're not happy because we thought, you know, he could have broken the NCAA Division One record. He was on pace to do so. And um, the start he had to the season was remarkable. And it was kind of just the carryover of what he did last year during the school season and also in the Cape. Um, he's not really phased by all the attention from the scouts and the fans and everything. He just goes to work every single day. And that was cool to watch his development, uh, his growth, his maturity during the three years he was at New Mexico state. And, uh, he improved in a lot of areas and, um, he went from a lightly recruited walk on to, you know, here we're talking today about potentially being, you know, the number two pick in the draft. So uh, it's been a cool story to follow, especially up close and personal with the view that I've been able to have to watch Nick's growth. Yeah, and you you mentioned that, you know, he's a, he's a kid out of Arizona and, and lightly recruited. You know, New Mexico State, the program is, is getting better and better every year, really. But still, you know, a lot of people don't expect a number four overall pick to come from New Mexico State. They've never had a first-round pick. So – you know, how much do you know yeah. about what got him to New Mexico State um, and, and what he was able to do to, to even break out in his freshman season? Well, what got him here was family. He, he wanted to be close to home, and he's from Vail, which is just outside of Tucson, and it's only about three and a half hours or so uh, from the campus. So he's a family guy. His parents were at pretty much every single game. If it was a home game, they were there. If it was in a way game, they were probably there, and um, he's really close to his family. He wanted to be close to home so they could watch him play. He has an older brother, Daniel, who played college football at Navy, and uh, Nick, you know, didn't get to see him play very often when he was playing college football because he was so far away from home, so uh, Nick didn't have a ton of offers. I mean, he had some. Austin P. I I think, might have offered him a full ride or at least close to it, um, but he wanted to be close to home, and Arizona – wasn't interested. Arizona State wasn't interested. So he chose his best option, which was to come here as a walk-on. And when he came here, Connor, in 2018, that's when the program was really starting to rise. 
Uh, Brian Green was entering his fourth season um, as the head coach of the program, and he really had it on a nice trajectory. And they were starting to really get Tucson, Phoenix, that area. They were getting some top talent uh, from that part of the country. And Nick, uh, you know, was just really a normal guy, you know, when he came in. There wasn't a ton of hype around him. He's a top 70 guy in Arizona, but he was a preferred walk-on. So, you know, the first week or so of the season, he didn't play much. He wasn't starting. He got an opportunity in a game against Arizona in Tucson, uh, rocketed a ball off the center field fence, opened some eyes, and he never left the lineup for the next uh, two-plus years. Um, he, he grew a lot. I mean, he, you know, he, he hit nine home runs his freshman year, uh, showed a little bit of power, hit for a high average, uh, played pretty good at second base, but then he took off his sophomore year. And, of course, everybody knows about what he did on the Cape, and that, you know, is a big reason why he's projected to go in the top five picks. And then, you know, he never let the attention get to him. Um, he just put his head down and worked. He doesn't really pay attention to social media or – what people are saying about him. He just works hard. You know, it's kind of a cliche, but, you know, he's um, he's the epitome of hard work paying off, and uh, it's paying off uh, with big rewards for him right now. Yeah, and you mentioned the Cape, and I think it's important because despite the dominance of New Mexico State's offense, especially in the WAC, they're not, you know, facing the same pitchers that a guy like Austin Martin from Vanderbilt would, would face on a Saturday um, any given week. However, the Cape was important because he was facing really the best guys in the country and was still putting up gaudy numbers. But between that freshman and sophomore year, you know, he goes from nine home runs to 16 homers. Average goes from 347 to 432. Um, and then this year, of course, the numbers even went up. Um, but he was already great as a freshman. Was there anything you noticed just watching him play between from freshman to sophomore year that 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 even got better for him where it started to look like not only is he a guy who can dominate this conference, but he's a, a high draft pick. Yeah, I remember uh, Brian Green, the then head coach, who's now the head coach at Washington State. He talked a lot about his plate discipline improving. Nick wasn't chasing pitches that maybe he chased as a freshman. Uh, his strikeout to walk numbers improved as a sophomore. Uh, his power obviously went up as a sophomore as well. And he was part of a really, really good lineup, too. Joey Ortiz, who's an Orioles prospect. I'm sure we'll talk about him later. Uh, Tristan Carranza, who's a D-backs prospect, was in that lineup as well. Tristan Peterson, an All-American in that lineup. He had good support around him. I mean, it was a really, really good lineup. And, you know, um, going back to your point about, um, you know, him really showing out in the cave, that was huge for him. I mean, he, he really needed that, obviously. You know, he needed to prove people that he could hit anywhere around the country. And I've been able to see him in midweeks. You know, the Aggies play against Arizona State consistently, Arizona, Texas Tech, uh, Washington a year ago. He always posted really good numbers uh, against that kind of pitching. So I always knew that, you know, this wasn't uh, because of the ballpark or the conference that he played in, why he was, you know, posting ridiculous numbers. I, I knew that he was a heck of a hitter, but you know, when he went to the Cape, I think he proved something to everybody, you know, that he could hit the elite of the elite around the country. And a big thing people have talked about, too, and Mike Roberts is his head coach um, at Ketuit on the Cape, the former longtime North Carolina head coach, has talked about his bat speed. And, you know, that's what really attracts scouts uh, with Nick is his bat speed is elite. He, he's never going to get blown up. 
Um, velocity is not a problem. Um, you know, I, I'm not a scout or somebody who, you know, dives in all these videos, but I can't imagine anybody around the country in this draft has better bat speed than Nick Gonzalez. I mean, it's elite. Um, so, you know, I think that's a, a big reason why he was able to ha have so much success with Wood and with power on the Cape this past summer. Hey, back to the interview in just a sec, but wanted to tell you about Built Bars. They're tasty and they're healthy. It's a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. You can get it in 16 different flavors. Uh, they're all covered in chocolate, easy to eat, and good for you as well. Uh, great for a health-conscious person. You know, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Just 20 grams of protein in, for example, the peanut butter brownie bar, which uh, that's the best flavor combination right there, peanut butter brownie. You can't beat that one. Just 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. You can't beat that in a protein bar that's good for you, and it really tastes good as well. So you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand that is in the warehouse or that that store happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com, a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and then going into this year, after 16 games, of course, the season gets shut down, but he was leading the entire country with the 12 home runs in 16 games. But I want to ask you one question about defense as well, because, you know, if he's a guy that can hit that well but but can't play his position, maybe he's not a top 10 pick, but a solid second baseman. And now, is that his position, second base, that, you know, the coaches, you know, think that'll be going forward, or, or can he move around the diamond at all as well? Yeah, you know, I, I think it probably is. Um, he did show this year that he can play short. Um, it, it was kind of a situation where he played it on a pinch. Um, we didn't know until a couple of days before uh, the season was about to start that he was going to start the season at shortstop, and that's where he stuck. Uh, his best friend, Joey Ortiz, is now with the Orioles, was the shortstop a couple of years prior. So um, – Nick was at second base and very comfortable with that position. That's where he played in the Cape. But he showed this year that he can play short. And I've told people this too, Connor, that I saw him play center field as a freshman uh, the first couple of weekends and also in practice and inter-squad scrimmages. He can run the ball down in center field. Um, you know, I, I've seen him play multiple positions. And, of course, he stuck at second base and shortstop pretty much his entire college career. But when he came in, um, I have some notes from my discussions with Brian Green, the then baseball head coach here, before uh, Nick's freshman year. And it basically, my notes from Brian said, he can play all over. And there was talks before his freshman year 
hey, get ready to catch, you know, you could be our emergency catcher. He grew up as a catcher. You know, he he played a lot of uh, catcher growing up. So um, he's athletic. Um, he, you know, he, he'll do whatever the team wants him to do. But, um, yeah, I think second base is probably his position for the future. But I saw glimpses of him in the outfield early on his freshman year, and that really wowed me as well. And then we got to see him really grow at shortstop this year. So somebody you mentioned, uh, and you mentioned him a couple times, is Joey Ortiz, um, who we'll talk about here too, because Ortiz last year was an Orioles draft pick. He went uh, in the fourth round, first pick of the fourth round of the Orioles, and uh, became the highest drafted, uh, I believe, New Mexico State player of all time, just uh, barely surpassing Kyle Bradish from two years ago, who is also now with the Orioles, and we'll get to him. But uh, Obviously, Gonzalez will break that record this year. But for Joey Ortiz, you know, you mentioned their relationship with with him and Nick, and and what Joey did at, at New Mexico State, a, a 422 hitter um, in his final season there last year before getting picked by Baltimore. What was it like to watch those two up the middle and in the lineup? And and what can Orioles fans expect from from Ortiz as well, who was picked fairly high last year? Yeah, you know, it, it's really cool because those two guys are best friends. They push each other. They work out with each other every single day during the off season. So during this quarantine, it's been Nick and Joey in a routine every single day, uh, getting ready for the draft for Nick and then for Joey getting ready for baseball whenever uh, it hopefully does return. So, uh, you know, it's cool, I'm sure, for those two guys to have each other pushing each other every single day. And uh, they had great chemistry at the middle. You could tell that, um, you know, they kind of knew what the other person was going to do. And uh, it's funny because with Nick, uh, when you talk about Nick, one of the first things you bring up is how quick his hands are offensively. With Joey, we always talked about how great his hands were defensively. Joey's a wizard with a glove. Um, quickest hands I've seen since I've been here, um, you know, and of course, he also, um, you know, hit for a high average, showed power, um, really posted some unbelievable numbers in 2019. And as you said, the highest drafted player ever out of here until this year when Nick uh, will surpass that. But he's very similar to Nick in a lot of ways. He's a hard worker, a family guy, a chip on your shoulder kind of guy, wasn't heavily recruited, maybe a little more than Nick. Um, he was a big recruit coming here his freshman year and showed that he could play a number of positions when he was in college. He was the third baseman his freshman year just based out of necessity. Uh, third baseman got injured. Joey slid in there and I think only committed a couple errors at third. And then shortstop's his more natural position. I guess the verdict on Joey and the question on Joey that a lot of people have had is, will he hit enough um, at the pro level? And, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that um, he can do that and he's going to work every single day to get to that level. And um, he's really improved a lot offensively. He's always had the glove. There's been no question about Ortiz's defense. There were questions about his offense early on. He posted great college numbers, and uh, he's just early on in what I think will be a really, really good pro career. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to tell people since, uh, since last year's draft over here in the Orioles fan community, um, Joey Ortiz, the real deal, actually had – um, the chance to call his games and get to know him in the summer of 2017 when he came out to Baltimore um, to play in the yeah. Cal Ripken League. Um, and he was with the team I was calling games for that summer, the Baltimore Dodgers. Um, he was by far the best player that program had ever had. He was, for me, the best defender 
I think I've ever seen play. Um, and that includes at the college or minor league level. And that includes, you know, calling three years of big 10 baseball um, and a year of minor league baseball. So he was, I mean, you said it best, he's a wizard. Um, and, and if he can hit enough, it seems like that glove could get him pretty high in the system, if not to the major leagues. And he showed too, Connor, when he was in summer collegiate ball, like Baltimore with yourself, or even with Wilmer in the Northwoods League, that he can hit with wood. Um, he showed power. He never got the Cape summer like Nick did. And, you know, I, if Joey would have gone to the Cape and, um, you know, hit well, then I think he could have been, you know, a second rounder or a third rounder, but, you know, obviously a fourth rounder is not too shabby either. And um, we know his glove is there. And and I know from watching him for three years that he's going to hit at the pro level. But um, I, I think that's the question mark that, you know, some people still have with him. So the other two guys who are in the Orioles system from New Mexico state, they're seemingly building a little bit of a pipeline here um, was the guy in 2018 who then set the record um, for highest New Mexico State draft pick. Um, and that's Kyle Bradish, the right-handed pitcher, um, who the Orioles got in a trade this offseason with the Angels that sent Dylan Bundy out to L.A. But Bradish had a fantastic career at New Mexico State. Um, he's obviously the guy that the Orioles fans know least about because he hasn't played a game in their system. So what's what's the scouting report on the right-hander? Uh, electric arm, uh, low to mid-90s fastball, really good movement, Connor on everything he throws. Uh, the question at times in college with Bradish was command. Uh, his walk numbers were a little bit high. Uh, he never got hit around much. I think the opponent's average his senior year was like 202, so nobody was ever hitting the guy. But um, he'd have starts where his pitch count got high early, and then, you know, he'd have four or five or six walks. But – um, it seems like just numbers-wise in pro ball, he's uh, figured that out a little bit more, and the strikeouts are still there. I think he had 140 last year in the California League. So it's electric stuff. I mean, it, it's big league stuff. There's no question. And just like you know, the aforementioned Ortiz and, and Gonzalez, he, he works as hard as anybody. He wants to be great. Uh, Chip-on-your-shoulder guy, lightly recruited out of high school in Phoenix, which is shocking to me that, you know, he's in a, a baseball hotbed and. Uh, nobody saw this developing outside of the Aggie coaches at the time. So he was the ace of the staff from day one in college. And then he spent a couple of years now in pro ball and he's posted good numbers. He's reached high A. And um, I, I talked to Kyle a little over a month ago for an interview we did. And the goal for him, you know, and what he thought he'd probably be able to achieve out of spring training if spring training fully happened was he thought he'd be a double A. So, um, you know, I think he's a guy who's on the fast track to the majors if things fall in place. Um, but electric stuff, you know, when I think of Bradish, I think electric stuff. I mean, he's got big league potential for sure. And, you know, I think even at the big league level, he can be a big strikeout pitcher as a starter. Yeah, that's big for, for Orioles fans because they ended up with four pitchers um, in that Bundy deal. And, and talking to people, it seems like Bradish is, is the big upside guy out of the four right now but the the last new mexico state guy i wanted to ask you about um is is probably the most interesting guy because uh the left-hander tyler Irwin, he was a 23rd round pick uh back in 2016 and 2016 was his only year with new mexico state he was a, a juco transfer um and he has since continued to be a good left-handed reliever 
And he was fantastic last year in double A with the Bowie Bay Sox, uh, a team that had an incredible season last year at double A, a two, four, three ERA and 36 appearances. So, you know, what, what do you remember seeing from Irwin in, in just his one year? I know it's been four years now, but he's kind of an under the radar guy who's trying to make his way into a big league bullpen uh, coming up here soon. Yeah, so in his lone season here, Connor, he was uh, a middle reliever. He he was in a really, really good bullpen that had a couple of pro arms. Joe Galindo was the closer that year, and he was a Padres farmhand for a couple of years. And uh, a durable left-hander could get left-handers out and right-handers, had no issue with either. Um, we thought maybe coming in he might be a starter, um, but turned out to be a middle reliever and then gets drafted by the Orioles and leaves school to go to the Orioles. And, I mean, he's had very few hiccups in his pro career. I mean, his numbers are outstanding. You rattled off some of them. Um, he's been unhittable at times at every single level, and there's been no issues at any level for him. And he had a brief stint last year at AAA. So he's another guy I'd, I'd be uh, shocked if he did not make it to the big leagues. You know, he might need some breaks here and there, but – Works extremely hard, a uh, really good uh, family guy as well. It's a big reason why he came to New Mexico State is it was close to Phoenix, and uh, his family's outstanding. I've got to know them over the years. Um, fastball in the low 90s, uh, really good slider. That's, that's his out pitch. Um, has developed a changeup as well. Throw strikes. Um, competitive, really fiery personality on the mound. He doesn't have a huge frame. Uh, I think he's listed maybe like 5'11", 6 foot, and 170, 80 pounds. But the dude competes. I mean, he is an absolute competitor on the mound. One of the best that I've seen here, just as far as competing. And he has the stuff to back it up. So um, his, his pro career has been fun to follow because, like you said, he was an early 20s rounder and um, you know, might have had a harder path than, than most because he wasn't a top five or a top 10 rounder, but every level he's gone to from low A to single A, high A, double A, I mean, he's, he's made the jump seamless. So um, that's been fun to follow. And, you know, over here, Connor, we always talk about now, it's like there's the chance that Ortiz, Irwin and Bradish could all be at the same level at some point. And there's obviously the chance that all three guys could be in the big leagues at some point together, which for a mid-major school, like New Mexico State, that would be uh, remarkable if, if all three guys achieved that together in the same organization. And you never know. I mean, with Bradish, obviously, and, and Ortiz being the very high draft picks, the Orioles expecting that. And then with Irwin, with how well he's pitched as a reliever, he's got, you know, he's the closest right now to the big leagues. But you never know. Maybe, uh, maybe Nick Gonzalez could potentially be added to that list. Um, not out of the question for the Orioles to potentially take him at number two next week maybe the the best college hitter coming out of this draft. But Adam, thank you so much for joining us um, to talk about not just Nick Gonzalez as we pre preview the draft, but those other three New Mexico State guys in the Orioles system who those fans may get to know a little better very, very soon. Yeah, Connor, thank you so much. Uh, go O's, and I can't wait for June 10th. So again, our thanks to Adam Young, the play-by-play -play voice of the New Mexico State Aggies for coming on to talk about Nick Gonzalez. Um, I don't know if I think it would be the number one idea for the Orioles to take Gonzalez. However, I do think it could be smart if they think they could grab somebody good at picks number 30 and 39, like Jeff was saying in the little clip we played earlier. 
Um, if they think they can save some money and, and get some some good guys like a Cole Wilcox, who we talked about um, on Monday, it could be a good move to get Gonzalez because he's still a great, great hitter um, and definitely worthy of a top five pick and would love to see him in an Oriole uniform if that's what Mike Elias decided to do. And also good for for Adam to come on and tell us about those other three guys uh, in the Orioles system right now who are all from New Mexico State, a program that is really, really building itself up over the last five years or so. Uh, if you like that podcast, uh, we're doing our MLB draft preview, five episodes in a row, each one talking about one of the five guys that are really the possibilities for the Orioles to take at number two. Back on Monday, we had Austin Roper, the assistant sports editor for the Red and Black, covering Georgia baseball, come on to talk about the right-hander Emerson Hancock. Later this week, we're going to have Mac, Max Hertz on. He is one of the broadcasters for Vanderbilt baseball, and he's going to talk about the infielder Austin Martin, who most places have in their mock drafts, going to the Orioles at number two right now. Martin, one of the best hitters in baseball on probably the best program in college baseball right now in Vanderbilt. So look forward to that. One last thing before we go. Um, obviously, we continue doing our sports content here and a sports podcast here, and even without baseball. You know, we're trying to, to do as much as we can, and, and the draft coming up next Wednesday and Thursday gives us some more content here. But um, I don't want it to seem like we're overlooking what is going on in the U.S., and around the world right now. And I don't just mean with the coronavirus, but I mean with the completely unjustified murder of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis Police Department uh, last week. And of course, the protests that have broken out across the country and across the world since then. Um, And just wanted to let everyone know that there are resources out there If you can go protest and you feel safe doing so, and that's something that you're able to do, that's a great idea as well. But if you can't protest, remember, you can always donate time or money to help out with the cause because black lives matter. And a list of causes uh, we will continue to give you here on the podcast and places to donate Um, but wanted to specifically look at the bail fund causes around the country. Um, Protesters are being arrested uh, in a lot of places for no reason by police, being abused by police officers um, for peacefully protesting around the country. And in Baltimore, if you'd like to help out, contribute to the community bail fund, uh, you can go to www.baltimore.com. BaltimoreActionLegal.org. Again, that's BaltimoreActionLegal.org slash community dash bail dash fund. One more time, www.BaltimoreActionLegal.org slash community dash bail dash fund. That's where you can help out the protesters in Baltimore if you cannot be standing alongside with them and all of us here at the locked on podcast network support these protests and want to help in any way that we can to stop the unjust killings 
and murderings of innocent black men and women at the hands of the police. So that's it for this episode. See you next time on the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.